your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday, January the 4th, 2023. On the memorial of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, praise be to God. A big story broke yesterday. I actually mentioned it on the after show yesterday. I thought I would cover it in more detail. Did Tritionis Custodis break the heart of Benedict XVI? Well, Garrett Gonswein had an interview that released yesterday that a lot of people are talking about that suggests, in fact, it did. I'll play a portion of that interview for you coming up at 15 past the hour. Also on the program, we're also going to cover another very tricky hot-button issue. What exactly nearly killed DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills player? 24 years old, by the way. Went to a Catholic high school in Pittsburgh. They're praying for him. Was it the tackle? Some say yes. Was it the vax? Some say yes. Well, Mark Hank is going to be on the program at 30 past the hour, 35 past the hour. He is a personal friends with the coach. And... Uh, and the position coach for Mr. Hamlin, and he's going to give us some insight in having played football for a very long time at a very pro level. So all of that coming up in the program this hour. Do join us if you can. In the next hour, attorney Brent Haynes is going to be our guest. We're going to get some look at this uh, whole debacle in the U.S. Congress. McCarthy lost three votes for the House Speaker. The first time in 100 years since there's been a multi-ballot election for the House Speaker, what is going on there? Brent Haynes will join us in the top of the next hour for those of you that can be with us. Hey, the FDA finalized a rule change that's going to expand abortion pill availability at uh, online pharmacies. Yeah, that's a horrible thing. Speaking of which, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, said in a legal opinion Tuesday that the U.S. Postal Service can continue to deliver abortion pills. Another horrible use of our tax dollars. 38-year-old Uche Nwarni, uh, or rather Nwanari, Nwanari, who played football for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the NFL, he died suddenly uh, at 38 years old, also in great physical condition. Hmm, what's causing that? Again, Mark Houck joins 35 past the hour. A, a youth mental health charity called STEM4 released a study about the impacts of social media found that uh, three out of four children, as young as 12, dislike their bodies and are embarrassed by the way they look. Hmm. Should you let your kids have access to social media? Great question. Speaking of which, Rudy Carlos, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Uh, wow. Does, does Maria a, have a, a social absolutely not. channel? Does she have a they're, connected they're, device? No. There's no pictures online of Maria. I don't post them. Mm -hmm. She probably won't have that. Uh, you know... It was easy for us, right? I mean, we we came into technology at the at the apex of it, you know, back oh, in yeah. the AOL days, you know, <laughs> and we decided for ourselves we're going to make ourselves an online presence. Well, nowadays, mm -hmm. parents they just make an online presence for their kid without ever, you know, consulting them about it. So I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't want my whole life online. Yeah, we don't let our kids do it either. Yeah, tank for gonna, the best. Tank gonna happen. It's for the house. best. It's for the best. I always say that uh, things I will never regret on my deathbed. Giving social media access to my kids, but I will say, I mean, what what kid doesn't feel like 
you know, they're not strong enough, that they're not tall enough. You know, that I don't know. That seemed to be normal back in my day. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of normal, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, good, Adrian. Good morning, good morning. It's good to be here. Is it? It is, especially since, you know, I normal. have always <laughs> believed that I was perfect. Really? My entire <laughs> I, life. I've heard Not that from your friends, too. They yes. also suggest that you've always thought you were perfect. Yes, it's true. They all uh, they all agree. <laughs> Fascinating. It's, uh, Fascinating. It's, it's a well, well-tested fact. Five um, out of five but of I your have friends to confess, all Joe, agree. Mm-hmm. I have to confess, yeah. all my kids mm-hmm. have social media accounts. All of them? All of them. Oh, and they're wife. all uh, Instagram famous. <laughs> so you can go find them on Instagram. Go look for them. Adrian's kids. There you go. They got My blue kids. check marks. They, they got, got blue check marks. <laughs> they got blue check marks on the Facebooks. I had to pay for and mine. They earned theirs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's up with that? Well, anyway, praise be to God. Uh, babe, that could be a whole guest uh, a segment right there, too. Interviewing my kids. Interviewing my your kids would be monumental. It would be. It'd be the highlight would, of my career. It would be pretty impressive, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He has no kids. That's the inside joke. Oh, whoops. Uh, he's not even married. Praise be to God. All right. Let's pray. Let's jump in. We have a lot to cover today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known. That anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, January 4th, and here are your headlines this morning. This one's from Reuters. Headline is, U.S. FDA allows abortion pills to be sold at retail pharmacies. Retail pharmacies will now be allowed to offer abortion pills in the United States under a regulatory change made by the FDA, an abortion pill manufacturer said in a statement. The in-person requirement that patients see healthcare providers in physical locations was temporarily removed during the so-called public health emergency, but has now been permanently removed. The Epic Times reports U.S. Virgin Islands AG fired days after suing J.P. Morgan Chase over alleged Epstein aid. U.S. Virgin Islands Attorney General Denise George was removed from her position on December 31st, just days after filing a lawsuit alleging that J.P. Morgan Chase and company aided convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein in carrying out his sex trafficking crimes. Filed on December 27th in a Manhattan District Court, George's lawsuit stated that her office had investigated Epstein's activities and found that J.P. Morgan had knowingly, negligently, and unlawfully provided and pulled the levers through which recruiters and victims were paid and was indispensable to the operation and concealment of the Epstein trafficking enterprise. Catholic News Agency reports Trump taking a task by pro-life groups for blaming midterm losses on abortion issue. He says, quote, It was the abortion issue poorly handled by many Republicans, especially those that firmly insisted on no exemptions, even in the case of rape, incest, or life of the mother, that lost large numbers of voters, Trump said, drawing criticism from many pro-life advocates, which you can see over at Catholic News Agency. And the Catholic Vote Loop uh, reports conservatives block McCarthy. More than a dozen Republican lawmakers rejected California Republican Representative Kevin McCarthy's bid for Speaker of the House on the first day of the 118th Congress. During the first round of voting, McCarthy secured 203 votes, with no candidate receiving a majority of votes after three rounds of ballots. Members of the House voted to adjourn without a speaker. 
Voting is likely to resume when the House reconvenes today at noon. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The Saints of the Day, and this is a very ecumenical Saint of the Day, is Blessed Stephanie of Quinzanis, Dominican, and Saint Angela of Foligno, Franciscan. Blessed Stephanie was born in 1457 at Sonsino, Italy. Born to pious parents, her father became a Dominican tertiary while Stephanie was very young. She was taught her catechism by the stigmatic Blessed Matthew Carrari, who lived at the nearby Dominican convent. Though she was too small to understand, he told her that she was to be his spiritual heiress. Began receiving visions of Dominican saints from the age of seven, at which point she made vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Carrari died when Stephanie was 14, soon after he appeared to her in a vision, and she received the stigmata. Dominican tertiary at Sonica at the age of 15, she was devoted to caring for the poor and sick. She founded a community of Third Order Sisters at Sonsino and served as its first abbess. Her counsel was sought by many, including St. Angela Morici, Blessed Augustine of Biel, and Blessed Osana of Montua. Though she had no formal theological training, she could discuss mystical theology at the most profound levels. She could read the hearts and minds of the people around her and had the gift of prophecy and healing. She lived in a nearly continuous fast and inflicted severe penances on herself. She accurately predicted the the day of her death, which was the 2nd of January, 1530, of natural causes. She was beatified by Pope Benedict XIV in December 14, 1740. St. Angela was born in Filoni in 1248 to a wealthy family. At a young age, she married a well-to-do man and had several sons. According to a traditional account, she squandered her first 30 years in scandal and adultery. Angela herself wrote that she lived a mortally sinful life. In her late 30s, she experienced a moral crisis that she had committed a sin so serious that she feared hell. She prayed through the intercession of St. Francis of Assisi, who had died 60 years before, and he appeared to her to dream, promising to render her aid. Soon after, she met a relative who was a Franciscan friar and priest, and she made a full confession, did penance, and began to embrace Franciscan spirituality. After making a pilgrimage to Rome, Angela gave way to most of what she owned to the poor. Later, she went on a pilgrimage to Assisi, where she experienced many visions. Her spiritual life deepened, and she became a woman of profound prayer. Eventually, her spiritual director began recording her mystical visions, and it is reported that she also received the stigmata of Christ. She died on January 4, 1309, and was beatified by Pope Clement XI on July 11, 1701. So, there's two examples of saints, Dominican, Franciscan, one who was holy her whole life, and one who was a convert. Blessed Stephanie and St. Angela, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. John was standing with two of his disciples as he watched Jesus walk. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, 
was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Catholic Commentary on Holy Scripture today said, The heavenly attraction of which Jesus was to speak later had begun to exercise its mysterious power. Everything is vivid. Jesus turned and gazed on the two men following him. What is it you seek? It's perhaps a better rendering of the tone of Jesus' question, which is memorable as he as being the first word from the lips of the Savior in John's Gospel. The disciples' answer shows some embarrassment, but it beautifully and delicately expresses respect, rabbi, and the desire to spend a while at home with the newfound master. Come and you shall see, is the form which Jesus graciously invites them. He has in the best translation. The writer's precision is to be noted. They came, they saw, they stayed from about the 10th hour, from 4 p.m. till dark, and according to the laws of the Oriental hospitality, the night also. I love the fact that the 4 p.m. was included there. Very precise. It's like 4 p.m. What a detail we get in that. That is amazing. It could have easily been left out, but no, it's included there. I find that fascinating. The commentary goes on to say St. Augustine's comment cannot be omitted. They wished, quoting St. Augustine, to see where he stayed and to do what is written. The threshold of his door let thy footwear. Rise and come to him assiduously and be instructed by his precepts. He showed them where he stayed. They came and they were with him. What a happy day they spent. What a happy night. Let us also build in our heart and make a house for him to visit. Let him teach us. Let him converse with us. Close quote, St. Augustine. Father McEvely points out, and Jesus looking on him with the eyes of his soul, penetrating into him by that divine vision, which has before it the future as well as the present, he said, after closing, closely scanning him, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. It's something of a bit of a foreshadowing of to come, right? The rock upon which Jesus would build his church. Not Simon's church, the Lord's church, built upon the rock of Peter, our Pope. Hey, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about a Pope. Coming up next, Benedict XVI and his heart that was broken. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small 
to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word. We receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, a bit of a controversial topic. Always always uh, ruffles a few feathers. Don't mean to, but it is in the news and it's a big topic. What exactly nearly killed that uh, Buffalo Bills player? 24 years old, in the shape of his life. We're praying for his recovery, by the way, Mr. Damar Hamlin. Praying that he he recovers well. He is on a ventilator at this point, uh, from what I understand. Uh, but the, some are saying it was the vaccination that could have caused it. Some are saying no. Uh, in fact, it was just the tackle. Uh, both of which I suppose are possible. But we're going to get Mark Houck to be on the program, who is personal friends with the coach and uh, had played uh, football at a very high level. And he's going to give us some insight from his perspective. And I'm going to share with you some data and some articles that are out as well. All of that coming up at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. But another topic that's in the news that broke yesterday, we mentioned it in our after show. That's when I first saw it yesterday. It was during our after show. But apparently, uh, uh, Archbishop Georg Gonsfein did an interview with Guido Horst, the chief editor of the German Catholic weekly De Tagespost. And uh, it was sort of recounting the life of Benedict the Sixteenth, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. which, by the way, you no longer, you can drop the emeritus thing now. He's passed. So we don't uh, we don't call JP two you know emeritus for instance. So we can call him Pope Benedict the Sixteenth and not have any worries about it. But nonetheless, uh, this interview that came out was uh, I think it was like thirty five, if I'm not mistaken, like thirty minutes long or something along those lines. Yeah, like thirty five minutes long, and it covers a lot of ground actually. Um, you know his life, his loves, his interests. You know, like why did he write a three-volume series on the nativity while he was pope? Did he not know he had a busy schedule for crying out loud? Uh, you know, why did he re- why did he resign? All of that is is discussed in this interview. The interview is in German, however, and I'm going to play a clip for for you, and I'm going to read the English subtitles. And there's a bit of dust up over this, of course, uh, I, we, as we knew there would be. There was also some disagreement online um, from various uh, parts of, as to what exactly was meant by some of the translation. All of that I'm going to get into. So I think let's start with playing this clip. Now, this is, again, a conversation between a German a journalist and Archbishop Georg Gonswein. And uh, the question is very, very intriguing. Adrian, would you, do you mind playing that clip for us. Says Pope Benedict's lifting of restrictions of the celebration of the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite according to the 1962 Missal did not last as long as he intended as Pope Emeritus. He witnessed the promulgation of Pope Francis motto proprio tritius custodis. The question is, was he disappointed? Archbishop Gonsan re- replies, 
It hit him very hard. I think it broke Pope Benedict's heart to read the new motto proprio, because his intention was to help those who had simply found a home in the old mass, find inner peace, liturgical peace, away from Lefebvre. And if we think for how many centuries the ancient mass has been a source of spiritual life and nourishment for many young people, including many saints, it is impossible to imagine that it no longer has anything to offer. And let us not forget that many young people who are born after Vatican II and who do not fully understand all the drama of the Council, that these young people, while knowing the new Mass, have nonetheless found a spiritual home, a spiritual treasure, even in the old Mass taking this treasure away from the people. Well, I'm not comfortable with that. Thank you very much, Adrian, for, uh, for playing that for us. So it's a very intriguing uh, interview. Again, we will link to the full interview, which is 34 minutes, 45 seconds long, covers a lot of ground. You're going to have to read the English subtitles if you want to go through it. But that's a very intriguing question. What was it like? Why did he do it? What was his intention? He releases uh, uh, the Samorum Pontificum in 2007. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, he released it on my birthday in 2007. I think it was July the 7th, 2007. How could you? How could anybody forget that? It was specifically a gift to, to me. you, Joe, personally. <laughs> yeah. If you read the, uh, the the German transliterated into Latin yeah, and then back into it, English, it's in the footnote. It's, it's in the, totally in footnote, the footnote. Sixty-seven and a half. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, best wishes to my best bud, my BFF, Joe, Joe McLean. It's there. <laughs> but they accidentally spelled it McLean, though. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Yeah. But he's German. You can't expect too much mm-hmm. in that regard. Makes sense. Uh, but don't fact check that. Just go with it. But nonetheless, um, it's very interesting because it's going to uh, it's going to send some waves. Will Archbishop Gonswine get in trouble for making these statements? Um, I, who, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, maybe he's beyond that now. Maybe he doesn't really care because his his work is done. Is very interesting character, Archbishop Georg Gonswein, somebody who served both popes, Pope Francis and Pope Benedict, uh, for the longest time. And I've always found that very intriguing as well. I know other people have commented on that. Like, why, why, why would that be? You'd think there's enough people at the Vatican that each pope could have their guy. But this, this, he bounced back and forth for for the longest time, and then there was wasn't there like a a statement that found its way out to the press, and then uh, and they kind of got him in a little bit of trouble. Gonsfine kind of got in a little bit of trouble from Pope Francis over that, and he had to like lock things down a little tighter. But very intriguing. So clearly, it seems that Pope Benedict's heart was was um, was broken over this issue. Now there was a bit of a dust up yesterday over the actual translation. And Edward Penton says there was a minor dispute about the English translation of Gonsfine's words. The subtitle says, reading Traditionis Custodis, quote, Boke broke Pope Benedict's heart, close quote. While others are saying a more accurate translation is the, quote, read it with the heartfelt pain and sorrow, close quote. So... Is there a difference there? Sounds like the same thing. Me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, sounds like one is poetic and the yeah. other is not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it, I mean, his heart was was hurt. Was he upset or was his heart broken? Listen, I'm not saying I'm upset, but mm. I'm really sad about this. 
Right. Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Raymond Rorio had this to say. He says, quote, of course, Traditionis Custodis was a complete repudiation of Benedict's liturgical vision and his and JP2's interpretation of the Second Vatican Council's liturgical reforms. Very sad. Close quote, Raymond Rorio. I mean, there we are, right? I mean, and the, the, the question is, very interesting that he includes this statement about taking people away from Lefebvre. Now, uh, the article that I'm reading from right now is from uh, messianinlatino.it, which goes through this article. And it points out that in the 2016 interview with Peter Sewald, uh, the question was asked, the rehabilitation of the old mass is often interpreted as a concession to the priestly society of St. Pius X. Benedict XVI responded, he says, quote, This is absolutely false. It was important to me that the Church preserve internal continuity with her past, that what used to be sacred didn't suddenly become wrong. The ritual must evolve. This is why the reform was announced. But the identity must not break. The priestly society of St. Pius X is founded on the feeling that the Church has denied itself. This shouldn't happen. My intent, however, as I said, was not tactical in nature. I was concerned with the thing itself. Naturally, it also matters that the Pope, when he sees a schism looming, is required to do everything possible to prevent it, including the attempt to bring these people back to the unity of the Church. Close quote, Benedict XVI. And I find that interesting because of, uh, of what I think is the, the greater intent of that Gonswine's trying to get to here about Benedict XVI, about so many within the church found comfort, found peace in it, and I think they do still today, which is why so many in the church today were so heartbroken over Traditionis Custodis, why it seemed like such a heavy hand, because I think the issue is far beyond anything in, in regards to Saint, uh, the society of St. Pius X. I mean... Yeah, sure, there's an issue there with Saint, uh, the Society of St. Pius X. Uh, and maybe there was issues with Lefebvre and some of the actions he took or the things he said that, uh, that can be, uh, you know, contended or whatever. But let's talk about the heart. You know, we're often told when it comes to Vatican II that it's uh, the spirit, it's the heart, it's the intent we must look at as well. And uh, fine, fair enough. Let's look at the heart. The heart to preserve something so beautiful, so grand, so, so incredible, the patrimony and the rich tradition of Holy Mother Church. As Gonswine points out himself, that so many saints, so many saints loved, revered, and, um, and cherished. So many great saints would recognize some of the liturgies that we face today. I was also reading a commentary yesterday in the Nothing Superfluous uh, that in the Novus Ordo, uh, it's the only liturgy in the Roman, uh, on the Roman Church that is uh, where everybody has to be about doing the same thing at the same time, where in all the other liturgies, like the, the Benedictine and um, some of the other Eastern liturgies, and they're all like the, multiple things are happening simultaneously. The choir is doing one thing, the priest is doing another, and the lay are doing yet another thing. All of this makes up this very beautiful and intricate liturgy. All of that got uh, whittled down. All of that got simplified for sure. But does that mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater? No. We don't want to see liturgical war within the church. We don't want to see a division within the body of Christ. We just want to be Catholic. I don't want to be a traditional Catholic. I just want to be Catholic. Uh, you know, we just want to love Jesus Christ, his church that he founded upon the rock of St. Peter, 
We don't want to be in schism. We don't want to be uh, in, uh, in division. We want to be unified in the body of Christ. And it seems like these divisions have only gotten worse. Now, some would say, well, Joe, that's because of the, tr- the trad Catholics. The rad Catholics caused these divisions. We all have our part to play, to be sure. We all have our, our component, our side of the equation. But there's two sides to that coin. And um, being a heavy-handed response that came about in Traditionis Custodis seems pretty clear that it was more than just Benedict XVI whose heart was broken. Many Catholics have been denied access to the liturgy of St. Teresa of Avila, St. Dominic, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Padre Pio, St. Maximilian Colbe, St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, St. Francis. I mean, you name it, St. Francis de Sales. Uh, you know, we can go on and on and on to the greatest saints in our church. This is the Mass they knew, they loved, they cherished. And many Catholics today are feeling denied. Why? We, you don't want to go elsewhere. We want to just go to church. And yet they have been denied. And so it doesn't surprise me uh, that this has come out now. Now, I'll also point out Father Zilsdorf on his blog, Father Z's blog, he also covers this story. And, but he has basically a challenge for us in the new year. He says, I propose an informal association of prayer and penance dedicated to two petitions offered to the Blessed Virgin Mary, which are, one, the softening of hearts of those interpreting traditionis custodis, bishops, the Roman congregation, dicastery officials, etc., and number two, the overturning of or reversal of traditionis custodis. In other words, let's bring about unity. Let's, let's welcome back traditional Catholics. Let's make them feel incorporated, part of the fold, instead of, you know, people who have to be cast out assigned to the uh, the parishes in the worst neighborhoods, things like that. Let's make them feel included instead of excluded. I think this is good prayer intention. It's not encouraging division. It's encouraging unity. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's do penance in the new year for every Catholic, not just some of them. Praise be to God. Coming up after the break, Rudy Carlos has more breaking news and stories, and we're going to dive into the incredible story about this 24-year-old athlete in the Buffalo Bills with Mark Howe. All that and more is coming up. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We established orphanages and helped the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith, Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, You are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, January the 4th, and here are more headlines. LifeSite News reports, International Blood Donation Center opens for those who want transfusions from unvaxxed people. A newly formed International Blood Donation Center based in Switzerland has opened with the intention of connecting patients with blood which has not been affected by mRNA vaccines. The operation claims that donated blood goes through the usual complex process of cleansing of foreign agents, but that the new mRNA vaccines pose a completely new challenge, since the so-called spike proteins in the blood are neutralized to an unknown extent and appear in blood even six months after the dose with dark field microscopy. Ground News reports GOAT tops school list of banished words for 2023. A university has declared the acronym GOAT, a greatest of all time, banished for 2023, along with other common words and phrases such as amazing, and it is what it is. It's not very goaded of them, to be honest. Catholic News Agency reports, Bethlehem Bells exhibit brings the Holy Land to America. The bronze bells that once graced the ancient church of the Nativity in Bethlehem have traveled to, from the Holy Land for a special one-time only trip to America. During a visit to America, six of the bells can be seen only at the Museum of the Bible through January 29th. The Bethlehem Bells come bearing centuries of history and tradition. The Crusaders first brought the bells to Bethlehem in the 12th century from France. They were later buried in anticipation of a Muslim invasion and finally unearthed in 1906. At the Church of the Nativity, the bells were a part of a 12-piece carillion, an organ-like instrument that plays bells instead of pipes. The Carillion was played during the Divine Liturgy. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is our good friend Mark Kauk. Good morning to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Joe. Happy New Year to all of you. Good to be with you again. Yeah. Praise be to God. Now, you're, you're personal friends with the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. And uh, so this story that broke uh, on Monday night was kind of a big one. It shocked a lot of people. First time ever to cancel a, a Monday night football game. Uh, that's how serious this was with uh, DeMar Hamlin's collapsing on the field due to a heart attack. And this has been official. The Buffalo Bills reported this information uh, today that it was, in fact, cardiac arrest. So what do you think about this story, Mark Howe? Sure. Uh, well, I, I don't have TV, so I was informed uh, as it happened by friends. Uh, and then, of course, I went online and I saw the play. Uh, when you saw the play, it, it didn't look good. Um, as a former player, former safety, safe played the same position in college. I was scattered by the New England Patriots. So I, I know the level of play and the level of violence that is the game of football. Uh, I, I said to myself, that just doesn't look good how he suffered that, that, um, impact. However, uh, no real, not really different than many other plays that have happened over the course of 20 years of me watching the game. Um, surprised that he fell right to the ground. That was pretty alarming. I've never seen that before myself in any game at any level. So, um, you know, I just went into prayer as I was requested to do so. I mean, the, the young man died on the field. Essentially, they brought him back to life. Yeah. Um, pretty darn scary to watch. Yeah, and it's very controversial subject uh, today. A lot of people are debating on what causes this. And, uh, you know, in fact, um, I saw a report out this morning. It says at least 769 recently vaxxed athletes collapsed just last year during competition. There are videos that you can see online 
uh, go to Rumble, type it in, athletes dropping. You'll find video after video of athletes in the prime of their life, excellent physical condition, just falling over. Right. Uh, but th- what makes this one different is the hit, is the tackle. I think that's why there's a bit of, bit more uh, debate in this. Now, interestingly enough, Dr. Robert Malone, he is the guy who helped to invent the mRNA vaccination. He said this. Uh, this is a little statement from him. He says, watching this all play out in the media online, I do have some thoughts. First, I think it is irresponsible for the state-sponsored press to be declaring that this was not due in some part to a vaccine injury this early in the game because we don't know, no one does, not even his physicians. I speculate that assuming he got vaccinated and boosted is probably a reasonable inference given it is the policy of his team that there is 100% compliance with COVID vaccines. The corporate press getting in and attempting to skew the public opinion is a despicable move, but typical, particularly when these attempts are both strong arming and attacking their opponent while using the tragic injury of a young man as a weapon. He goes on to say, but we don't know. It could also just be the hit. It could also just be the hit at the most perfect time. And I was watching somebody else comment on this. If the chest, the left side of the chest was impacted at the precise moment in the beat of the heart, and it has to, it's like a millisecond window. If that happened, it is possible to stop the heart. But how many times have you seen such a case in your experience in football, Mark Howe? Right. Well, well, again, I, I've experienced a similar type of tackle. What, what you saw there was DeMar uh, in not really in a position to deliver a blow, but really to receive the blow. And that's happened to me countless times. And, you know, you, there's padding on our chest. Sometimes there's even secondary padding underneath. You, sometimes you'll get some sternum bruising and so forth. But uh, frankly, that, that type of hit happens all the time. Even though it was a big blow, he dipped his shoulder, his helmet into his chest. Hard to believe that that would happen with all that equipment. But I guess anything's possible. It's hard to argue with those numbers. I've talked with Sean, the head coach, and and even the his position coach. That whole team is vaccinated. In fact, when I came to the Bills complex, they said to me, are you vaccinated? I said, no, I'm not vaccinated. And they're like, you're not vaccinated? The NFL was requiring it, and many players um, took a, took tremendous heat. I think the uh, quarterback in the, Pack- the Packers refused to get the vaccine and suffered greatly in the media for it. So there were some pushback on it, but it's hard to argue with those numbers and those things that the people are saying. The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons tweeted out, uh, I think it was yesterday or this morning. Yeah, it was, no, it was yesterday. He says, uh, Hamlin is believed to have suffered cardiac arrest. Quote, vaccine-induced myocarditis must be considered in the differential diagnosis, close quote. Uh, This was the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Now, I guarantee someone's going to send some hate uh, mail to me today because I dare to discuss this. Of course. But the reality is, if we are seeing an uptick, in fact, uh, Dr. Gold, she went to jail for 30 days, I think, for the January 6th thing. She was outspoken on the vaccines from California. She tweeted out uh, some uh, uh, article yesterday. Basically, 1,100 athletes have died in the last two years. That's the same amount as the previous 38 years. Clearly, there's an issue. I have no idea what causes it. I can't say. But but to not talk about it, to not take it serious and not to figure this out. I mean, if I'm a young athlete in the prime of my life and I'm pushing hard as a part of my job, I'd be very concerned at this point. 
Joe, after playing as long as I have and 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 the coaching that I did, uh, I I've never seen the degree of 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 uh, or the volume of, of athletes that are dying in in un, in freakish sort of way, un, unknown ways. And so you think about the equipment and and how much it's improved. The NFL has taken measures to really pay attention to the safety of the game. Uh, you think of the years ago where, where people didn't have any equipment and, and yet, I mean, yeah, they have head injuries and there's a lot of issues with that, but they weren't dying in the midst of a game and, uh, or in the midst of a practice. You know, we had kids with heat exhaustion and dehydration. A lot of that would happen as you did two, three practices a day, especially in the Texas heat. I, you know what I mean? But, um, it's, it's unheard of. Uh, even my own high school, there was a kid who died last year. Uh, on the field. So um, I, I've never seen this number of athletes. And I, I got to suspect that something is different than what was done in the past. It just doesn't add up. With uh, uh, Florida uh, announcing an official investigation into vaccine-related injuries to the, due to COVID, and then now Japan doing the same thing, if it turns out that they can make this link, if they can prove this factually, it, the NFL could face a serious lawsuit, don't you think? Oh, I would think so. And, and they deal with that with, with the men that are older and, and suffering from post-playing their days. So they are used to it. And I would, I would imagine that the Hamlin family would, would sue, uh, the NFL, uh, if they knew something. I, I don't know to the degree of liability, right? If, I guess you got to be guilty if you know something, but, um, you know, in good faith. But uh, I, I got to say, yeah, these, these lawsuits are going to mount up as more and more kids are dying. And this young man is in the top uh, form of his of his shape physically, uh, athletically, mentally. He's sharp. Uh, he's a wonderful young man from what I hear. And, and yet here he is fighting for his life. It, it's, yeah. it's hard to believe. Went to a Catholic high school in Pittsburgh, from what I understand. Central uh, Catholic. Yeah, yeah, so we're definitely praying for him. Now, what do you think the chances are of him recovering in being able to play again is no, he'll never he'll never play again never he'll again never, no. wow there's no way there's no way first of all he wouldn't want to play again i don't think uh even though he's the high competitive nature uh it's 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 beyond i mean he's he how much oxygen was lost to his brain there's no way that he can come back and perform at that level uh I, I, at this point he he'll be lucky to walk out of the hospital um, but no, there, there's no way this young man could come back to play, and nor should anyone have that expectation of him. What an insane story. Now, you know, Dr. Malone, who d- does take uh, both sides of this argument over his, uh, at his uh, Substack article on this issue, he basically goes on to say that these, I hope these doctors, these football teams have been tracking, they got the vaccine, this is their blood work, and then watching very carefully because of the myocarditis uh, issue there. I wonder if they are. Who knows? What a tragedy. Mark out. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for your insight. We appreciate it. Check out the Kingsmen, the kingsmen.org website, his apostolate there. We're going to go to break. We're going to come right back. More to come right after this. Catholic Drive Time returns. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB.
This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox, that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. I was just thinking about uh, this football player, Hanlon. Like, he's 24. Let's, I don't know. Did he start? He, he probably started young in football. Peewee? Did he Yo, play Peewee? You have to. You have to be. So he probably was playing football for a minimum of 10 years straight. At a minimum. Probably more. How many hits do you think he took in every practice, every game, all the way up? How many clinics did he attend in order to get to the pro level? You know what I mean? And like yeah. he, a thousand hits at minimum, and then this is the one that do, that really does it? I don't buy it. It's, the math isn't adding up. Far more than 10 years because yeah. I played football for 12 years. See? So he had he to have played more than that. He didn't even make it to the NFL. And I didn't even play in the NFL. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it adds up super fast. Or college. I mean— <laughs> So a thousand, I'm saying he probably, no lie, a thousand hits at least, if not more. Yeah. Um, and then this is the one perfectly timed. Out of all those hits, not a single one, but this one did it. Yeah, I never hear stories like that. The only time I ever hear stories like that is like is in baseball when someone gets hit in the chest with a ball going 100 miles oh, an like hour. Oh, a stray ball? Yeah. yeah. It's like getting or not, shot. Or not really a stray ball, but yeah. like a, like you, yeah, it's like getting shot. You're yeah. getting a, a baseball the yeah. size, like because it's smaller. even if he, like, if the, if the guy put his elbow into his chest right at that spot, like, yeah, that's a very precise point of pressure and impact. But, but it's, it's not moving 100 miles an hour. It's not moving 100 miles mm. an hour. Yeah. There's no way. It may be moving, what, 20 miles an hour? 25? Yeah. Even if it's 30. Like, I yeah. Mean, it's not 100. 100. It's not 100. And yeah. so, and that's super rare, even in baseball. Yeah. So the fact and, that nah, yeah, I mean, and it just literally make sense. the window of opportunity to stop someone's heart is in milliseconds. Mm-hmm. Millis, it has to be at a very precise point of the beat of the heart in order to to stop it that way. I mean, you you would literally have to be Bruce Lee, who is the only person I know besides Neo from The Matrix who could stop a heart. You're you're forgetting one other person. <laughs> who me. Right. Can you do that? Right. I can do that. Right. On cue. On cue. All right. Well, let's no, f- but that that article you shared yesterday with us mm-hmm. on our private Telegram group, whenever it was like the statistics, mm-hmm. I was blown away by that. I was like, "Holy moly!" There's that many because it yeah. was what um, ten like hundred one thousand one hundred one athletes under the age of thirty five died. Yeah. In uh, the last two years. Yeah. Versus the same amount. 
in 38 the, the years? The 38 years prior. Like that's, yeah. that blew my mind. I was like, yeah. holy And that's not the moly. only article. There are other articles. And again, it's like, I, I don't know. What do I know? I don't know anything. But I know that this is a problem. I know that we need to be looking at this very soberly and not just trying to protect what we think is, you know, we need to like, we need to hold up this, this ideology in order to, you know, uh, el- prevent the criticism of other issues yeah. in our camp. You or know maybe what I mean? It's simply that, you know, sports have gotten more dangerous with us changing well, the rules. Concussions were adding, always a problem in the NFL. Even mm-hmm. though we've been changing the rules. But they changed the, the helmets in Changing the helmets, that. changing the pads. But yeah, but maybe again, it's more dangerous now. If I think I have a great helmet on that'll save me, mm-hmm. I can still use my head as a weapon in that exchange, in that tackle. I can throw my head straight at the guy, you know, or or whatever. That's been yeah. part of the problem. They stopped you teaching d- how to do to tackle like that when I was in uh, sixth grade. Right That's when they stopped, they started telling you don't tackle like that anymore. You get uh, you don't get nearly as many head injuries in rugby who don't use those helmets. Yeah, uh, it's because they don't use their head like a weapon. Yeah, that's why they started telling people to stop tackling with your uh, head like that. Right. So yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Crazy story. Again, pray for this guy. I, it breaks my heart to think he may never recover from this completely. Mm. I mean, how um, can you? With a heart attack? Yeah. They, play football again? The no real way. question is how much, how much, how long did he go without oxygen to the brain? That really is a, a very serious question. All right. Uh, let me switch to this other uh, interesting story here out of the National or the uh, Catholic News Agency. Where Catholics live in the United States, I wonder, could you guys guess? If you had to guess. What parts of the country the South. are more Catholic than others? I got tagged in that post. <laughs> what part? <laughs> the answer isn't really? the South, by the way. Hmm. I'm going to say... See, unlike you, I actually read the article. I'm going to say the coastal areas. The coastal areas? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sharing my desktop here for those that are hanging out with us on live video feed. And uh, you can look at the map. It is pretty amazing to see... Just how Catholic our country is and how un-Catholic certain parts of our country are, actually. Here's a bit of the article. It says, as 2022 comes to a close, here are, some, here are four charts that help explain, in visual terms, the Catholic presence in the United States. Catholicism is the largest religious body in 36 U.S. states. Let that sink in. Catholicism is the largest religious body in 36 States that makes that would seem to be a majority. A majority. Yeah, it you know it calls to mind uh, mm-hmm. Bishop Fulton Sheen's words. He, I'm going to paraphrase them here, but he says, you know, if only we could mobilize the Catholics, we would really make a difference in this country. <laughs> Thirty six <laughs> states. If only we acted like a team, exactly, voted as a block and thought like each other. And oh, too bad that's not true. Oof. And the data show that Catholicism is growing fastest in the South and West even as it declines in the Midwest and Northeast. The data for, the, for these charts comes from the U.S. Religion Census, which is conducted by the Association of Statistic, Statisticians of American Religious Bodies every 10 years, most recently in 2020. Its 2020 survey reported that there were 61.9 million Catholics in the United States, about 18.7% of the population. So, it says, while Protestants collectively outnumber Catholics in the U.S., the researchers of the U.S. religion census viewed various Protestant bodies as their own denominational groups, not collectively. According to this categorization, 
Catholics are the single largest religious group in the United States. There are about three times as many Catholics as non-denominational Christians or Southern Baptists, the next two largest groups. Uh, so very, very fascinating. It says the Catholic population in the United States has grown by 2, per, 2 million people per Oh, let me start over. The Catholic population in the United States has grown by about 2 million people in the past 10 years. Much of that growth has been concentrated in the South. Today, the South has more Catholics than any other region. Huh. 50 years ago, 71% of U.S. Catholics were in the Northeast and Midwest. In 2020, 45% were. As the, con- as the county, or rather at the county level... Catholics are most prevalent mainly in New Mexico and in Texas along the Rio Grande. There is at least one Catholic congregation in 2,961 U.S. counties, a number bested only by the United Methodists. Weird. We do see them everywhere, (laughs) kind of like Freemason lodges. Despite the large number of counties uh, where Catholic congregations were present, the number of Catholic congregations, 19,405, was the smallest that the religion census has counted in more than 50 years, reflecting uh, consolidation within the church. Hmm. The average number of adherents per congregation is 3,000 for Catholics, unusually high compared with other groups. No other group had as many, uh, rather, no other group had as many as 2,000 adherents per congregation, and only five others had as many as 1,000. So, by far, Catholics are bringing in more people. Uh, It says large Catholic congregations are especially common in the West, where there are 4,700 Catholics per congregation. So, how is it I can say that it's not in the South when it seems to be in the South? Well, I think the reality is the Baptists reign supreme in what we would consider most of what was used to be the Confederate States, uh, you know, except for Mississippi. That's Dixie. And, uh, and Texas. So the Southern Baptist Convention is by far the biggest group in the South. However, the numbers are declining, and the Catholic numbers seem to be growing. So could this map change? But when you look at the map, what blows me away is how how much the Catholic Church is in most of the country, like really is dominating most of the country right now. Now, I had a question here as you were reading this this article here, really good article, by the way. But I'm thinking, you know, are they counting are, – are they looking at the amount of parishioners registered per parish because that usually fluctuates – uh, how many of these Catholics are actually adherents to the magisterium? I wonder those questions too. You know, it's one thing to cite numbers, and if we really are this large, you know, you would really expect uh, a sort of a, a paradigm shift in the way that the country is governed. Mm-hmm. We really do believe what we believe. Uh, you would see that, but you know, I, I just I leave with those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, how many of these are actual adherents to the magisterium of the church? You know what I find fascinating also about this map is look at, okay, so this map is color-coded. Blue is for Catholic, green is for Baptist, red is non-denominational, and uh, you see uh, Washington State, Alaska, and uh, what is that, West Virginia? <laughs> like, just West Virginia surrounded by Catholics and Baptists has gone non-denominational? I think it's interesting that Hawaii is Catholic. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah, it's, it definitely has the Catholic uh, flavor there. Of course, the uh, Church of the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, they have Idaho and uh, of Utah. Utah. Utah's obvious. I think less obvious has been for a lot of people that Idaho is... Uh, a very strong Mormon presence in Idaho. I think we need to take Utah. It is one of the, it's literally the most beautiful state. I'm going to no say way. it. No way. I think it's the most There's gorgeous. There's no way Utah this is, is the most beautiful this state. This is Rudy's personal opinion oh, that's trademarked. Rudy Utah Carlos. is the most gorgeous state that there what is. I would it, live there. What makes it the most beautiful state? Have you seen Alaska? Have you ever been to Alaska? No. Then how can you say? Bald eagles up there, right? I mean, but, uh, bears grizzly bears, moose. huge fish, moose, yeah. mountains that are epic and just. Eh. I don't know. Have you ever been out in the Aurora desert? Aurora Borealis? In the, in, in the dawn and the light yes, comes up it's and gorgeous. it just I agree. lights up the sandstone structures. I ever so briefly in Salt Lake City. Uh, it is a very beautiful place. Salt Lake? Yeah. It's, I'm talking about southern Utah. It's it is beautiful. I do agree, but it is not the most beautiful. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. No way. I don't know. No way. Adrian, you have been to what? Um, well, uh, Dickinson. <laughs> I've been so, to Pennsylvania. Do, you're Pennsylvania gonna have to. Nice. You're gonna have to solve this argument. I've been to Tennessee, uh, Utah, most beautiful state. I've never been to Utah. See. <laughs> I've been no to California. Way. So what, to interpret what he said Alabama? there was, no, it's not. <laughs> Arkansas. I've been to Arkansas. Arkansas is beautiful. Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas. I've been on the, on the mountains of Arkansas. I have, uh, I have family from Texacana. There. Texacana. Beautiful place. Yeah. Utah. Most beautiful. Utah. Are you, must, a, are you a Mormon? We should must have, reconquista. Should I have checked your, your Catholic card when I <laughs> interviewed you? I'm just curious. Nah, we're, te- we're teasing. It's a joke. Hey, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. For those of you that are able to continue to join us, we're going to have Attorney Brent Ains on to give us some insight into the first time in 100 years that we've not been able to elect a Speaker of the House. What are the implications? What can we expect next? All that plus the game show and the after show coming up. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Jason Jones will be on. I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, All comfort must be based on discomfort. What's that supposed to mean? It has something to do with the fact that we celebrate Christmas in December. It is the feast in the middle of winter. We are choosing to be joyful at the very moment when the whole material world around us is most sad. We are defying cold death outside by celebrating life inside. And that's why there's nothing more comfortable than a blazing fire in the middle of a blizzard and why we bring a green tree inside and decorate it and talk of good cheer in the face of darkness and death. Tidings of comfort and joy. Because all comfort is based on discomfort. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? 
God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Father Cedric Pizania from Holy Name Retreat Center in Houston. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Are you sure you have enough? I have mine. These are questions you must ask this morning. I mean, I keep them in my pocket every day. You don't want to be, you don't want to be that one, that person who just like, doesn't have their name called, and you're like, if I'd only bought one more. Seriously. It could have been me. It could have been me. You don't want to look at your account and say, I had enough Oh, look. to actually uh, make a difference here. I had $25 just sitting here doing nothing. Uh, I could have. I could have. <sighs> at 25 bucks, could have got me a brand new Mercedes. <sighs> it's possible. It Burr. is possible. But you don't want to... You, Polar you, white. You got to have your tickets, and uh, you know what? Um, buy one, buy five, buy a bunch. Give them away if you want. Those are great gift items. But uh, the GRN is raffling off a brand new CLA 250 in polar white. It is a 2023 model from Mercedes Benz, and it's going to go. I'm telling you, I think the winner gets announced in uh, early March. So you could win. It's possible twenty five dollars a ticket, or you can get five for a hundred bucks, which means you get an extra one, absolutely gratis. And now you can buy your tickets online. It's possible. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt, or if you really want to be really super cool, amazing, and awesome, you will call your local GRN station manager, and you're going to ask them, "Hey, how do I get my tickets? How do I support you directly? And how do I help you sell car raffle tickets?" In order to maximize, in order to maximize the opportunity for our particular part of the Guadalupe Radio Network family, so uh, you know what you offering tickets to your friends, your family, your parish, your Bible study group, your Acts group, whatever you know, your uh, Guadalupanas, whatever you wherever you go, you know what an opportunity to support your local Catholic radio station on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Again, go to grnonline.com forward slash. Actually, it's, I think it's raffle. Is it raffle, Adrian? Can you verify that? Forward slash raffle. But if you just go to grnonline.com and scroll down, you'll see the car. Click on that. All the details, but rules, everything is right there. You can purchase your tickets. You should read the fine Correct. print. Correct. Forward slash you, raffle. You, okay. Forward slash raffle. But the fine print, you have to read it because it does say you have to come to Houston I, in the Mercedes. You have to take I us see. through the Taco Cabana drive through and you have it. to allow us to film in there. I, you have to. Yeah. it's That's, And you have to pay for the Taco Cabana for the CDT team. It's in the fine print. It's you might totally need a microscope, the- <laughs> uh, but it's there nonetheless. Just because Clarissa took us to Taco Cabana doesn't mean that the next she winner set, will. She set the precedent. 
Uh, so you're saying it's tradition now. It's tradition now. I see. It so, is. Uh, so that's the patrimony we're going to go with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, praise be to God. Well, uh, very fascinating. Uh, our good friend, uh, attorney freedom fighter Brent Haynes, is on the line with us right now. Good morning to you, Brent Haynes. Good morning, Joe. Now, have you ever owned a Mercedes? Just curious. I've, Joe, I have, I'm a public servant, uh, so I have, I have, I have so, written a Mercedes. So, so your, your answer then is you own a fleet of Mercedes. <laughs> I mean, all the public servants I know have That's multiple point, houses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, Fauci is the, is the highest paid representative in the U.S. Right, I mean, so, uh, so maybe you have five less than him? Yeah, like seal. Uh, do what kind of uh, Mercedes do you prefer? Then I guess is the next question. My Bach? See, I, I'm not a federal S class. Oh, local, local government. Nonetheless, Mercedes would be a very nice car in addition to your fleet, don't you think? Oh, sure, it would be a nice addition. <laughs> just got to get that raffle ticket, Brent. That's all you got to do. Just got to buy your raffle tickets. And let's speak of uh, federal servants of the, of the people. Uh, we're having a bit of a dust up in the the House of Representatives. Uh, the, the the Republicans failed to elect a Speaker of the House. First time in 100 years since there has been a multi ballot election for the Speaker of the House, and there's still no resolution. What is the story, Brent Haynes? Well, first. This is not the institutional disaster that uh, some people, mostly people in the opposing political party who are looking for political gain, have made it out to be, and that many of the pundits uh, who share those political beliefs want to make it sound like. You know, it's a normal process to have an election for speaker. That's what you do. And even though it has been a long time, uh, over 100 years since this has happened before. That's the normal process. This, this, is not, this is not an institutional disaster. This is not something that harms the fundamental institutions of our government, such as leaking a draft of an opinion of a, on a landmark decision from the United States Supreme Court or impeaching a president on grounds that really don't rise to the level of an impeachable offense. Uh, those are the types of events that just fundamentally damage the structure of our government. Now, this is a political disaster for Kevin McCarthy. Um, if he is elected speaker, he will be severely weakened. Um, you know, for one thing, uh, none of the congressmen who, even those who have supported him and will support him if he does get elected, none of them are really going to respect him the way they would have. And also, none of the Republican congressmen, if he is elected, will fear him. And right or wrong, you know, fear is an important part of politics, um, especially internal politics, such as in legislative bodies and political parties. And that's one of the ways the Speaker of the House controls the House and keeps people in line, uh, because they can control fundraising, they can control political endorsements, um, they control especially the ability of any member of Congress to pass legislation. And that can make or break a congressman's political career, especially about if you have all three of those uh, factors going against you. Um, so even if McCarthy wins, he becomes, uh, you know, severely weakened. In fact, one of the demands made by the let's call them the dissident congressman. One of the demands made by the dissident congressman or dissident Republicans was that the speaker would not uh, engage in endorsements or get interfere in uh, political primaries in the future. Mm. Um, so they're already trying to cut his power that way. 
Uh, and compare McCarthy's situation to that of outgoing Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, people forget, and probably most people never even notice, Nancy McCarthy, Nancy McCarthy, that would be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, Nancy Pelosi, you know, she had the exact same situation. Remember the squad? Remember those? Oh, yeah. You know, remember, remember them? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nancy Pelosi managed to maneuver politically because, you know, lover or hater, we're not supposed to hate anybody, Joe, but whether or not you like Nancy Pelosi, and I know I have my opinions of her, she is a masterful politician. Mm-hmm. And she gets legislation through. She held her conference together, even though she had to deal with the squad and all of her detractors in her own party. And she got elected on the first ballot. So uh, McCarthy, for what, for good or bad, uh, no matter what the reasoning, you have a very recent historical example of a woman in the Democrat Party who could get it done and get elected on the first ballot. And yeah. now you have this candidate in the Republican Party who's been there for years. And after years of building relationships with his fellow Republican congressmen, now not all of them have been there for years, obviously, but most of them, the Republicans have, just like most of the Democrats have. Mm-hmm. And he's not able to get elected on the first ballot. Um, Someone said there are three uh, ballots in now. (laughs) They are three ballots in. And, you know, somebody said yesterday, uh, look, if if he couldn't get, you know, this support after 10 years, he's not going to get it overnight. Well, I think at least these 20 Republicans that are pushing back against him basically feel that he is too progressive, that he's not conservative enough. And they and it sounds like they may be angling for him to commit very seriously to releasing all of the January 6th uh, data, all of the videotape, all the information Congress has on that to the public directly and right away as sort of a, 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 a way to uh, you know make a compromise here so that he'll get the votes. Do you think that that might be on the table? That's reportedly on the table. Um, look, the, the dissident uh, congressmen, they have some reasonable demands. They have some very intelligent demands. What you just said is very important. That information should be released to the American people. If, it's the, if January 6th was the grave threat to our republic that the critics have said it is, well, then why haven't they shown us all that information? Um, now, another demand is that legislation that's going to be voted on, are you ready for this, has to be available, has to be posted 72 hours before the vote. Imagine right. having the legislation that congressmen are voting on that we are all subject to, right. that becomes law. Imagine having that out there at least 72 hours before yeah. uh, before they vote on it. Remember the passage of Obamacare? Mm-hmm. Remember how it was passed late at night on a We had to vote for it vote? to know what was in it. And that's exactly what I was going to say, Joe. That, that it, she'll, you know, she'll always be remembered for saying that she being <laughs> Nancy Pelosi uh, for those for those. But Brent, uh, who, seventy-two hours recall. is not enough to read four thousand plus pages. I mean, I, and, what, and, and doesn't that doesn't we should that require show? that the entire bill be laid out on a, a single sheet of paper, front and back? That's all you get. <laughs> that's all you get. Well, that, that's like the famous President uh, Eisenhower requirement that he would only read a memo that was half a page long. Right. Yeah. Uh, but no, to be serious, yeah, 72 hours is like the minimum, you know, they should do. And bear in mind, in an emergency, they can always suspend the rules. They do that kind of thing all the time. Well, uh, but you mentioned, I'm, go ahead. I was going to say there was a plot twist here. 
uh, you know, Jim Jordan supports McCarthy, and Jim Jordan got nominated. <laughs> and there right. are there are a lot of people who would love to see Jim Jordan get the job because he seems to be bold and courageous. He is much more philosophically oriented. He is uh, primarily a critics would call him an ideologue, that he is primarily a philosophically oriented congressman. And McCarthy is not. I mean, there are legitimate criticisms of him. He is much more establishment oriented, much more moderate. Uh, And moderate, you know, people just think that moderate is a good thing. Um, You know, there is a, you know, politician in Texas years ago uh, who wrote a book and the title of it was, you know, uh, the only thing in the middle of the road is a yellow line and dead armadillos. (laughs) You know, the uh, people who who are conservative and, and want to advance policies that, that most Republicans want to advance, they want a strong leader in those areas. And, you know, one of them made the point uh, that yesterday that uh, they had approached uh, Kevin McCarthy about some of their concerns last summer, and he just dismissed them. Mm. Now, remember, last summer was when McCarthy and, and many people in this country, I was not one of them, but was that many of the people in this country were hyping the idea and really began to believe that the Republicans were going to win not just a majority, but a large majority. And then in the fall, of course, it became you know the red wave. Um, so McCarthy, if that's true that he dismissed uh, the, the, these people, these Republican congressmen last summer, well, that shows what his style would have been, you know, if elected with a large majority, but he doesn't have that large majority now. And that shows you another reason they are upset with him. He is not real conservative. He's not philosophically yeah. motivated. Um, but as you mentioned that there are 20 votes against him. It's important to remember there were three ballots yesterday. On the first two ballots, there were 19 Republicans who voted against him. On that third ballot, uh, another congressman from Florida switched and went ahead and voted uh, for Jim Jordan. He said, look, I've already given him two votes. He obviously doesn't have the support. If that's the beginning of a trend, then McCarthy is finished. What do you think will happen today? Well, I'd have to have a crystal ball. I mean, obviously, he either becomes speaker or he doesn't. Whether it's today or tomorrow, probably something happens today. Obviously, he just becomes speaker or he doesn't. But um, he, this is internal politics. These, these are closed-door meetings. There are private phone calls. We should have, like, um, them burn a, the ballots so we know, the, you know, like, the color, so we know what's, uh, you know, who's elected and when yeah, someone's elected. <laughs> this would be a great system they should adopt. We could all be waiting outside, looking at the smoke. Is that white? Is that black? What is that? Be yeah, good, these, good day, these days it would be these, – these days it would have to be something digital, Joe. No, <laughs> he uh, – you know, it could it, – if he continues to lose votes, he's finished. There's the, there's, there's, uh, the idea out there that uh, Steve Scalise, the majority leader, would be drafted. Mm-hmm. And not that Jim Jordan would be elected, but that Scalise would be drafted. And after having stood by McCarthy all day and on three votes, it's not as if he or anybody else could be seen as betraying McCarthy. Yeah. So it's possible that the next man in line, next congressman in line, which happens to be a man, gets, uh, all right. gets drafted. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll get you back for some commentary once we know more. But uh, all right, it's time to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. Thank you, Brent. Right now, the phone lines are open. If you would like to win, you could call right now, be our contestant, and play our game. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. 
Call right now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is up next. Merry Christmas from the Guadalupe Radio Network in Houston. I'm General Manager Tim Mott, and there is one very important thing that I'm going to shout from the rooftops, from the radio, and from your GRN phone app from now until I can't shout anymore. The incarnation changes everything. Deus fit homo ut homo fieret Deus. God became man so that man might become God. Go look it up. That's what we celebrate on Christmas, and thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it's become a bad habit in our society to celebrate Christmas before it comes. We've forgotten the glory of anticipation. The presents should not be opened until Christmas. That, of course, is part of the excitement. And while we know the gifts are coming, Chesterton reminds us that the best kind of gift is the surprise gift. And if we have the right perspective, we should look at everything as a gift and every gift as a surprise gift. We are happy to wake up on Christmas morning and find gifts in our stockings, but the best gift we could ever find in our stockings is our own two legs. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Oh, come, let us adore him. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. Doesn't that perfectly describe our disposition during this Christmas season? We have the honor of being able to adore the Christ child at Christmas and adore him throughout the year in the Blessed Sacrament and receive him at Mass. And what a blessing also that we can tune in to the GRN anytime to keep our minds focused on our Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Church. Merry Christmas and a blessed new year to you and your family. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't. Back away from your Twitter feed right now. I will tell you, but you can't share this. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So secretly, on the down low, Behind the closed doors, behind the scenes, we teach the faith by looking for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something you didn't know before, praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, a chuckle, a good time, and our callers laugh with us, and we appreciate that most. And then we give out prizes, which means this is a total winner for everybody, because you could learn, you could laugh, you could win. It's a great time, praise be to God. But here's the kicker. The real secret sauce is we don't ask the caller. They don't need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, but could still win our game. Because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy and I shall ask Adrian. One of which will have a correct answer. The other will have an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And when they get that right, they go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week's sponsor is Abby Roast. 
The Benedictine monks of Our Lady of Guadalupe Monastery in New Mexico offer 100% gourmet Arabica coffee, carefully roasted in small batches to bring out all of those unique qualities of some of the best selected coffees they deliver right to you. All proceeds contribute to the expansion of their monastery and uh, help to receive the many vocations that come knocking at their doors. The winner this week is going to receive some of their coffee to enjoy while watching CDT because, (laughs) I mean... What else would you do as you're sipping coffee, right? I mean, you're going to be watching CDT on our live feeds or listening to us on the radio. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, abbeyroast.com. Are you drinking Abbey Roast? Are you drinking the prize this week? Joe. Oh, did we only get one of those? That wasn't oh, for... Man. Oh, come Sorry. on. We'll, 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 we'll work that on that. That was like uh, <laughs> McDonald's brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keurig. Mac Cafe. Uh, yeah, I don't have the good stuff. Like the, the winner the, this week is going to have the good stuff. I have to go with the generic stuff. Get the but... McCafe uh, Keurig. <laughs> All right, let's go to the phones. John Allen, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Mr. Right. McLean. Praise be to God, John Allen. Where are you calling from? Santa Fe, Texas. Whoa. What is it, like uh, 82 degrees below zero on the frozen tundra? Like, uh, what, what is <laughs> life right. like up there right now? You got snowshoes, Eskimos? What's going on? Yeah, no, not uh, not that cold. <laughs> not uh... that cold. <laughs> Santa Fe. But don't you guys get, like, you guys get pretty freezing weather, though. Like, it gets down there. And every once, like, every once a year, you get, like, slush and such on the, your highways, and you get a big car pileup up there. It's pretty serious. In Santa Fe? Yeah. Isn't that near Houston? No. Where, where are you calling from? You're, yeah, yeah, you're thinking, <laughs> I, I'm calling from Santa Fe, Texas, which is just uh, north of Galveston. Oh, yeah. I I was like, that's like, I'm like, Santa Fe, Texas is like not that far from my house. I thought he was, his phone number is the Dallas line. I thought he was from the north. Never, never mind. Forget everything I just said, John L. You're from the deep south like the rest of us. It's just hot and humid right. down here. At any rate, yep. how was your Christmas, John Allen? Uh, it's been fantastic. How about yourself? Praise be to God. We are surviving it so far. Uh, but uh, you know what? If my wife makes me wear one more coordinated pair of jamas, I don't think I can make it. <laughs> I think yeah. it'll be all over. <laughs> sure, I understand. Yeah. yeah. The struggle is real, right, brother? Are you ready it to is. play? Do you know how this game works? I do, yes, sir. All right. We're going to go with Adrian, which is our with church Adrian. approved. Uh, no, we're going to go with Rudy. A church does not approve going to Adrian oh. first. Oh, the tradition Awkward. changed. Yes. Oh, okay. no, it didn't. It Seemingly did. overnight. Tradition it didn't. Change. I just hmm. immediately got a says memo Joe in McClain. my head that says you are not authorized to go to, to Adrian first. You <laughs> must go with Rudy Carlos. Is that the chip uh, that, uh, <laughs> yes, that must yeah. put the in M your head? Yeah, the okay. plan. The Neuralink. Yeah. Are you ready to go, sir? I am ready. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, I sure am. Uh, you got the salmon shirt today? You got the salmon shirt or the uh, the trout shirt. The trout. Uh, it's actually rose. It's is rose. it rose? It's sort of mauve. Rose from the dead. Mauve. Mauve. Okay. Because you. Oh, that you're going Mojave Desert, Utah. I get the theme you're going yeah. with today. All right. Mojave's south. Of Utah, but anyway, yeah, whatever. Sure. <laughs> Apparently, geography is not a thing for me today. But let's just go anyway. Could you tell me who was the first pope to fly in an aeroplane? Well, if we're going to look at this logically, mm-hmm. the Pope at the time of the first flight, mm-hmm. 1903, that was Ooh. Pope Pius X. 1903? Yeah. They, huh. The Wright brothers came up to uh, to Italy and they said, hey, check this out. We I just see. created, a, we we have what? to test it. And do, would you like to be the first person on there? I, I, look, it's completely safe, but My I mom. mean, we just want to test it. And, uh, uh, and he said, you know what? I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So Pope 
Uh, Pius the tenth. Pius the tenth was your answer. Yeah. Nineteen oh three again. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, Adrian. Maybe you could help here. I know you are an expert in all things flyology. Uh, uh, I yes. read that on your Twitter feed. Anyway, it's advanced accurate. degrees. Uh-huh. Uh, but could you tell me totally. who who was the first pope to fly in an aeroplane? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, as someone who identifies as a PhD in flyology, mm-hmm. I'm an expert in all things flies. Um, <laughs> it's very gross bugs, to be honest. However, oh, what? on a it's completely different note, okay. the first pope to fly in an aeroplane mm-hmm. would be mm-hmm. Pope Paul VI. Really? Uh, planes were more common by then, and they no didn't fair. have to like basically yeah. jump on a hand glider like I the Wright see. brothers. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're suggesting they might have crashed less. They've crashed slightly less than they did then, but more than they do now. Okay. All right, uh, John Allen in Santa Fe, not in North Texas. Uh, Could you tell me, is Adrian correct with Pope Paul VI being the first guy to fly in an airplane? Or was it Rudy who suggests Pope Pius X in 1903? 15 seconds on the clock. John Allen, what say you? Uh, Well, I didn't know that Adrian was a... PhD in biology. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go with Paul VI. <laughs> wow. Can't that degree is paying off. It is. Woo. It really is. It's a very expensive degree. It took me about 18 seconds to type it up on Twitter, my Twitter bio. He'll never yeah. be able to pay it off. <laughs> it's t- rough. It's rough. But tell me that there's, there's there has to be some university somewhere who gives PhDs in flies. I Maybe, probably. Has to be. But Mr. John Allen... <laughs> Congratulations you by going with Adrian, you now become younger, no. smarter, Mm-mm. faster, stronger. No, it's, it's not. Yeah. No, that's You're not why he's a head of hair. No, no gray hairs whatsoever. <sighs> Has nothing it's to do with you. Facts. It was 100% Pope facts. Paul VI that was the correct answer. But all right, praise be to God. Let's go to see if we can get you in there twice. We're going to go to Adrian the first this time. That's dangerous. Oh, I got that memo too. Hmm. But nonetheless, I think we've a- we've asked this question in the past. It's a repeat. What is the mantle-like vestment which mm. reaches from the shoulders to the ankles, opens in front, and clasps at the neck, and is worn by the Sullivan at nearly all solemn functions except for the Holy Mass? Yes, that's called a manipole. A manipole. A manipole. Manipole. Mm-hmm. Ma- pulls a man? Manipole? No, not like, like an intake not like, not like a pole. Not like you're like pole vaulting. It's like tractor pulls? No, not at all like that. Not at all. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, let's see what Rudy says. Rudy, can you tell me what is the mantle-like vestment which reaches from the shoulders to the ankles, opens in front, and clasps at the neck, and is worn by the celebrant at nearly all solemn functions except for the Holy Mass? You know, aside from the liturgical use, which is... Mm-hmm. It's known as a cope. I, I, I think mm-hmm. that every man should wear one. I think it's so cool to walk around with a cope. We should we should implement it I'm into standard fashion. Yeah. Interesting. With some cope in other ways, though, they would say, Rudy. Some seethe. Some, some seethe. All right, so cope was your answer. Cope. All yeah. right. Uh, John Allen, I, I hope you're a liturgical expert because uh, you got choices. Rudy says this is called a cope. Adrian says this is called a manipole. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? John Allen, what say you? Well, I am not a liturgical expert, but I'm going to uh, go with Rudy's answer and say cope. <laughs> wow. Oh, let's go. 
That would have been a tricky good, one for the friend. average mortal, but not you, John Allen. Not you. Easy. You clearly locked that one out of the park. You are correct. Everyone knows that. The cope is right. Manipul. I bet 90% of people don't even know what a manipul yeah, is. Yeah, most people don't know what a manipul <laughs> yeah, is. It's the thing manipul you put is, in your it's car, a, right? It's a napkin. Is the, uh, is the, it's yeah, it's, napkin. It's, it's, it's was originally a napkin. Yeah. Now Liturgical it's, napkin. It's uh, a cloth that hangs on your wrist. All right, here we go. Third question. Going to get you on a perfect score. Easiest question ever asked an individual on this show since at least yesterday. Oh. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, what is the study of the end times called? Okay. It's known as Nostradamusoscopy. Oh, that sounds formal. Yeah. Nostradamusoscopy. Exactly. Could also sound uncomfortable and and kind of embarrassing, but nonetheless, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, could you tell me, what is the study of the end times called? Well, as someone with a PhD in callology, so Mm -hmm. I know what things are called. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. is uh, called eschatology. Oh, I thought you were going to say Taylor Marshall's YouTube channel. No. No. Oh, okay. It's just eschatology. (laughs) I see. I see. Eschatology. All right, John Allen, is the end times study called eschatology, as Adrian says, or... Nostradamusoscopy. I have no idea what you just said, actually. Nostradamus. <laughs> what was it? Nostra- Nostradamusoscopy. Nostradamusoscopy, as as Rudy would like us to believe. Fifteen seconds, John Allen. What say you, sir? Well, I have to say I'm impressed with all the uh, PhDs that Adrian has. <laughs> I know. Uh, Me very too. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with eschatology, Adrian's answer. Wow. You hear that? I can, I can hear impressive. I can hear John Allen getting wow. younger. He never as, admitted you were correct, by the way. I, that's, not what I, that's how I interpreted it. Do not play poker with John Allen because pff, he's got his game Look, at My max. biology degree makes it clear to me that that's what he meant to say. Eschatology is the correct answer. You are right. Perfect score, John Allen. You played Thank perfectly. You. God bless you, my friend. Have a great day. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. But uh, we're going to put you on hold. Thank you. All right. We're going to go into the after show if you want to hang out. GRNOnline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in this Christmas season. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening at Our Lady or the Guadalupe Radio Network. Adeste fideles, lete triumphantes, venite, venite in Bethlehem. Natum videte, regem angelorum, 
Venite adoremus. Venite adoremus. Venite adoremus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. O God, who crowned with the gift of true faith, Saint Elizabeth and Seton's burning zeal to find you, grant by her intercession and example that we may always seek you with diligent love and find you in daily service with sincere faith. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Children, let no one deceive you. The person who acts in righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Whoever sins belongs to the devil, because the devil has sinned from the beginning. Indeed, the Son of God was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is begotten by God commits sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he is begotten by God. In this way, the children of God and the children of the devil are made plain. No one who fails to act in righteousness belongs to God, nor anyone who does not love his brother. The word of the Lord. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Let the sea and what fills it resound, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, the mountains shout with them for joy before the Lord. All the ends of the earth have seen. The Lord comes, he comes to rule the earth. He will rule the world with justice and the peoples with equity. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God.
In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and he watched Jesus walk by. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Kephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. In this Christmas season, the question that the church asks this week is, who is this child that was born for us? Who is Jesus? And the first reading gives us a very deep light for discernment of who Jesus is. Uh, this is very necessary, it's very important to understand that as St. John of the Cross said, the devil cannot obedience. He cannot follow the obedience of the commandments. He can imitate everything else. The Catholic Church and the teaching and doctrine of Christ can be painted as anything else other than the following of the Ten Commandments written on the human heart. For this reason, there needs to be a very deep discernment on what is Jesus, who is Jesus in the world today, because you have this kind of fabricated machine in the American context today of Catholic politicians who are claiming to be uh, Catholic, but they do not follow the Ten Commandments, uh, whether they support procured abortion or they have policies that are directly against the, the law of God. You have universities indoctrinating ideologies and they're not teaching the doctrine of Christ, but rather species, specious and hollow kind of doctrines that have nothing to do with the Lord Jesus. And you have a, a whole face of the Catholic Church that is false because it does not hold as primary simply getting people to follow the Ten Commandments of God. 
No one who is begotten by God commits sin. He cannot sin because he is begotten by God. So that's the, by their fruits you shall know them. And this is incredibly important to be able to discern this because there's a false Jesus out there. There's a false Catholicism. And you need, we need to uh, proclaim this truth. The way that we do this is we go into Jesus. Pope Benedict XVI, in his book, Called to Communion, he pointed out this passage that Jesus says to each one of us, come and see, come and stay within the Trinitarian communion, be one with the most holy Trinity, and he invites each and every single one of us to enter into Jesus Christ. And the way that we can be sure that we entered into Jesus Christ is that we stop sinning. St. Teresa of Avila said the greatest obstacle for people, for, for Catholics, become, not becoming saints is unconfessed or unrepented mortal sin. The second greatest obstacle is a lack of hatred or an agreement with venial sin. This should be the focus of anyone who is wanting to seriously follow Jesus first. You cannot say that you are staying with Jesus, that you have come and seen Christ, if you are still in some kind of mortal sin or if you have a whole uh, drama, a whole kind of uh, way of making yourself comfortable with venial sin. This has to be the beginning of it. And the saints teach this in an exemplary way. Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton was one person who followed Jesus wherever Jesus led her. And when her husband died, uh, she allowed Jesus to lead her to found a religious order, to become uh, a religious, and to help educate uh, the American Catholics. And she changed the history of the church and history of the nation by becoming holy. You and I are called to the same, to become saints, canonizable, capital S saints, upon our deathbed, that we would be able to bring people to Jesus like St. Andrew, who brought his brother Peter, simply by extending the invitation of Jesus, who said, come and see. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth in integrity of faith and morals, the face of Jesus Christ to the nations. We ask the Holy Spirit to raise up saints of our generation. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests. In a special way, we pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict XVI. For these we pray to the Lord. We pray for the, all the government leaders that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. And we pray for all the sick, the suffering, the poor, those who do not know God, and those who do not want to know God, that we may lovingly and generously respond to Jesus, and who is in the disguise of all forms of human misery. For this we pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. 
for all those in the Guadalupe Radio Network and all the, our online viewers, all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, for these we pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old. From angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, good will to men, from heaven's all-glorious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Still through, still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled. And still their heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world. Above its sad and lowly plains they bend on hovering wing, and ever o'er its babel sounds the blessed angels sing. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. O Lord, we ask that you look graciously upon our gifts placed on your altar in celebration of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and grant by the power at work in this sacrifice that we may be more deeply inserted into the mystery of your Son, who lives and reigns forever and ever. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For on the feast of this awe-filled mystery, though invisible in his own divine nature, he has appeared visibly in ours, and begotten before all ages, he has begun to exist in time, so that raising up in himself all that was cast down, he might restore unity to all creation and call straying humanity back to the heavenly kingdom. And so with all the angels we praise you, as in joyful celebration we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Amor, Blessed 
in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, so that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. An eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession rely for unfailing help. With this sacrifice we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you've summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. 
O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Perceptis salutaribus moniti, et divin institutioni formati, audehimus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et emite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, dabitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. On you stay, Miserere nobis, agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatam undi, miserere nobis, agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatam undi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Communion Antiphon. I am the living bread from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. Act of Spiritual Communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O tidings of comfort and joy. Fear not, then said the angel, had nothing you affright. This day is born a Savior, a pure virgin bright, to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort and joy. Let us pray. As we partake of the sacrament of our salvation, while recalling the memory of St. Elizabeth and Seton, we humbly ask you, O Lord, that we may be inflamed with a burning desire for the heavenly table, and by its power consecrate our life faithfully to you, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven, heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy Repeat, repeat the sounding The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I'm Kelly from Benedictine College. 